And we're back for part two of the console wars. Gentlemen, how you been? Oh, I've been great. Oh, my great. You guys look so different from last week. Yeah, I just wear this shirt every Wednesday. Oh, my I'm God. I'm just a little washed out. I bleached it like three times since then, but um, it still holds up. So did you play any games while we were away? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not at all. Anyway, we are starting part two of the console wars. So enjoy. We're going back now. There were three full-on co competitors. Yeah. Microsoft reared its ugly head. <laughs> yeah, people thought it couldn't be done. Like, the really, the, the video games, uh, all the console wars was one-on-one, -on -one, typically. Like, yeah, there the, was one-on-one -on -one and then, like, a bit player, right? Yeah, like the Jaguar in the 64-bit era, which was also 64-bit. And you're speaking about terribly designed controllers. That was a controller <laughs> that had a terribly designed controller on top and then a number pad yes. bolted to the Numeric bottom. key. For some reason... Some reason, just like the ColecoVision had that, but it, you want to go back even further, like uh, the Turbo Graphics, that was kind of like the third party of the 16-bit yeah. era. That's right. Do you know anyone with the Turbo Graphics? I knew one. My cousin had one, but that's the only person I know. And he had one game, right? Yep. My brother had the portable Turbo Graphics. Oh, that was cool. Then he like borrowed from someone once, and I played Keith Courage for about five minutes, and I was like, it's cool to play a color handheld portable. Then the battery died. Dude, you know, I realized that's kind of the first switch. And the Switch is the Turbo Express. The Turbo yeah. Express was a full-fledged Turbo Graphics in your hand. It was really cool. Uh, it was very expensive <laughs> and drained batteries like crazy, and no one had it. But it was a cool yeah, idea. Yeah, it was amazing. You could play a console game. And you could plug in your TV. One to go, yes. Well, now I gotta go back because in the previous war, remember Sega dropped the Game Gear right on top of Game Boy. Yeah. And sure. that thing was fun. For the cool. 30 seconds you could play before the battery died, but yes. Yeah, it wasn't designed very well, but for those 30 seconds that you were playing, it was, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. There was also a TV tuner, if I remember correctly, that was released for the Game Gear. So you can pop it in the cartridge slot, it had an antenna, yep. and you could watch TV on and it I remember, for 30 seconds. A lot of parents on it. The parents yeah. like, oh, it's a television too, great. But digressing from <laughs> that, yeah, Microsoft coming into the console wars was, was crazy at the time because mm -hmm. they make Windows. They make software, they're not a hardware company. They made like a mouse and a keyboard. Like that was the extent of their hardware at that point. Yeah. And they, they dropped a bomb. And the weird thing was, I don't feel like they had a segment to go into because Sony was already doing what Microsoft was about to do just fine. But I think what Microsoft had was power. And suddenly it dropped the behemoth that is Halo and took GoldenEye off the map as far as yeah. the party shooter. If, I, I remember being in school and going to LAN parties at the time where you could hook up four Xboxes and put 16 freaking people playing against each other you in the same room. You had a very special room. school. That's cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we were always wondering who are all these people playing Halo LAN. But now we know. Yeah. Um, my God. I mean, we went around. Uh, there was garage sale weekends where we would go and we had to look for TVs that we could plug more <laughs> Xboxes into so that we could have people having their own screens oh, nice. in the same room. I mean... It was, it was a blast, and I think that was the differentiator. I, it, it had to be Halo. Halo was the thing that I think they launched their Yeah, Halo, gaming Halo on. was their killer app back when that was a thing. They, that's not really a thing anymore. Mm -hmm. But that, having a hard drive, they were the first system to launch with a hard drive, and they had an online service. Xbox Live was the first, really, the original, and arguably still the best. Depends. Although I do have a quick digression. Mm -hmm. Sure. The so, um, Sega Genesis had an online system, That's too. That's right. Sega, I think it was called Sega Network. Or the Sega, Sega Channel. Se the Sega Channel. Thank you very much, Terry. That wasn't for playing against people, though, was it? You could play against people in certain games. Okay. There was also DLC for certain games. 
like Comic Zone was the big was the famous one where you used the Sega Channel and you got like extra stages or something or an extra stage maybe. But if you had the cartridge and you had the Sega Net, um, Channel, which used your tel- home telephone line to dial in directly to <laughs> it was way ahead Sega of time. Yeah, it yeah. was it was ridiculous. Like no one at that time had like multiple lines in their house. Like so, it would take yeah. up uh, like uh, your your tel your telephone. You couldn't use it anymore. Yeah. And that was before <laughs> AOL. Exactly. So it was like, who's using this? Yeah, so Sega had that with Genesis, <laughs> and it was moderately successful. And that it functioned. Yeah, and, yeah, and that it functioned. Not that that many people bought it. But I knew someone who had it, and they were like the talk of my elementary school. That's all we <laughs> could talk about. You the Sega channel? You oh, dude, what's no, on it? No, it would, you have more than one phone line. You're a god to us. Oh, god. oh my god. <laughs> and then the Sega Dreamcast, when that came out, had online capability and came with a dial-up modem. You could buy an Ethernet adapter yeah. to, to have an Ethernet modem. That had games you could play online, but no online service. What, what, what I'm saying is where Xbox differentiated Xbox Live was all about it had an ecosystem, right? Yeah. So, like, you could see your friends mm-hmm. logging on. Like, Dreamcast didn't have that. Dreamcast didn't have, like, this yeah, overarching operating system. Yeah, it was on a per-game yeah, per basis, yeah. Yeah, so with the Xbox, you were, once you were plugged in Xbox Live, you were on it. And people could see what game you were playing, and you had a profile. Like, mm-hmm. that was new. And it was thanks to the hard drive, and it was thanks to Microsoft's networking know-how. Uh, really, though, Microsoft lost a ton of money on the first Xbox. Really? They just dumped millions of dollars into the R&D, and they were like, we don't care, we're Microsoft, look at our war chest. <laughs> so they were basically like, we're going to shove into this market, and we don't care how much money we lose. And they lost a ton. Like, um, they still came, they did not, compared to the PS2, they did horribly. Really? Horribly. Well, you bring up an interesting point. So Microsoft showed up, not during the uh, N64 PlayStation days, but next generation of consoles, which was Nintendo GameCube, yep. the Sony PS2, and by the way, both of those, pretty much the same as before, just better. You know, they, they were still going after the exact same kind of markets. You still got your JRPGs over on Sony, and you got your Magic over on yeah. Nintendo, although not as much, yeah. uh, let's, let's <laughs> be honest. And there were a couple of JRPGs on GameCube because by then it switched to, I think it was called a GD-ROM. It was, a, it was like, it was a mini disc that held oh, right. not 700 megabits, but a whole good amount of data. Yeah, one, one Luigi's Mansion it held. <laughs> well, because like, I remember in particular playing Mega Man X Command Mission, which was a JRPG-style mm-hmm. Mega Man X game. And I believe it came on two discs. And there was also Baton Kaitos, which came on three or three discs. I rented it from Gamefly, got the first two discs and not the third disc, so I never could play it. <laughs> never played it. <laughs> so you played the first two discs, though? Well, no, I started playing it, and I found that it was three discs. back for part two of the console wars gentlemen how you been oh i've been great oh my great God. you guys look so different from last week yeah i just wear this shirt everyone oh my I mean, God. it's a little washed out i bleached it like three times since then but um it still holds up so did you play any games while we were away no <laughs> no <laughs> not at all anyway we are starting part two of the console wars so enjoy we're going back now there were three full-on co- competitors yeah microsoft reared its ugly head <laughs> yeah, people thought it couldn't be done. Like, they really the the video games, uh, all the console wars was one on one typically. Like, yeah, there but, was one on one, and then like a bit player, right? Yeah, like the Jaguar in the sixty four bit era, which was also sixty four bit. And you're speaking about terribly designed controllers. That was a controller <laughs> that had a terribly designed controller on top, and then a number pad. Yes, bolted to the Numeric bottom. key. For some reason. Some reason, just like the ColecoVision had that, but you want to go back even further, like uh, the Turbo Graphics, that was kind of like the third party 
of the 16-bit era. Yeah. That's right. Do you know anyone with a Turbo Graphics? I knew one. My cousin had one, but that's the only person I know. And My, he had one game, right? Yep. My brother had the portable Turbo Graphics. Oh, that was cool. Then he like borrowed from someone once, and I played Keith Courage for about five minutes, and I was like, "It's cool to play a color handheld portable." Then the battery died. Dude, you know I realized that's kind of the first switch, and the switch is the Turbo Express. The Turbo yeah. Express was a full-fledged Turbo Graphics in your hand. It was really cool. Uh, it was very expensive and drained batteries like crazy, and no one had it, but it was a cool idea. Yeah, it was amazing. You could play a console game. And you could plug in your TV. Only go, yes. Well, now I gotta go back, because in the previous war, remember Sega dropped the Game Gear right on top of Game Boy. Yeah. And that thing was fun. For the 30 seconds you could play before the battery died, but yes. Yeah, it wasn't designed very well, but for those 30 seconds that you were playing, it was it was <laughs> a lot of fun. There was also a TV tuner, if I remember correctly, that was released for the Game Gear. So you can pop it in the cartridge slot, it had an antenna, yep. and you could watch TV on and it I remember for a, 30 seconds. A lot of parents on it. The parents yeah. were like, oh, it's a television too, great. But digressing from <laughs> that, yeah, Microsoft coming into the console wars was, was crazy at the time because mm -hmm. they make Windows. They make software. They're not a hardware company. They made like a mouse and a keyboard. Like that was the extent of their hardware at that point. Yeah. And they, they dropped a bomb. And the weird thing was, I don't feel like they had a segment to go into because Sony was already doing what Microsoft was about to do just fine. But I think what Microsoft had was power. And suddenly it dropped the behemoth that is Halo and took GoldenEye off the map as far as yeah. the party shooter. If, I, I remember being in school and going to LAN parties at the time where you could hook up four Xboxes and put 16 freaking people playing against each other you in the same room. You had a very special room. school. That's cool. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we were always wondering who are all these people playing Halo LAN. But now we know. Yeah. And my God, I mean, we went around, uh, there was garage sale weekends where we would go and we had to look for TVs that we could plug more <laughs> Xboxes into so that we could have people having their own screens oh, nice. in the same room. I mean. It was, it was a blast, and I think that was the differentiator. I, it, it had to be Halo. Halo was the thing that I think they launched their Yeah, Halo, Halo was their killer app back when that was a thing. They, that's not really a thing anymore. But that, having a hard drive, they were the first system to launch with a hard drive, and they had an online service. Xbox Live was the first, really, the original, and arguably still the best. Depends. Oh, although I do have a quick digression. Mm -hmm. Sure. The so, um, Sega Genesis had an online system, That's too. That's right. Sega, I think it was called Sega Network. Or the Sega, Sega Channel. Se the Sega Channel. Thank you very much, Terry. That wasn't for playing against people, though, was it? You could play against people in certain games. Okay. There was also DLC for certain games. Like, Comic Zone was the big, was the famous one where you used the Sega Channel and you got, like, extra stages or something, or an extra stage, maybe. But if you had the cartridge and you had the Sega um, Channel, which used your tel home telephone line, to dial in directly to it was way ahead of its time. Yeah, it yeah. was it was ridiculous. Like no one at that time had like multiple lines in their house. Like so, it would take yeah. up uh, like uh, your your tel your telephone. You couldn't use it anymore. Yeah. And that was before AOL. <laughs> exactly. So it was like, who's using this? Yeah. So Sega had that with Genesis, <laughs> and it was moderately successful. And that it functioned. Yeah, and yeah, and that it functioned. Not that that many people bought it. But I knew someone who had it, and they were like the talk of my elementary school. That's all we <laughs> you could know, talk about. You have the Sega Channel, you like, dude. What's no, on it? Too? No. Would you have more than one phone line? You're a god to us. Oh, god. oh my god. Yeah, yeah. And then the Sega Dreamcast, when that came out, had online capability and came with a dial-up modem. You could buy an Ethernet adapter yeah. to, to have an Ethernet modem. 
that had games you could play online, but no online service. What, what, what I'm saying is where Xbox differentiated, Xbox Live was all about, it had an ecosystem, right? Yeah. So like you could see your friends mm-hmm. logging on, like Dreamcast didn't have that. Dreamcast didn't have like this yeah, it was overarching on a per, operating Yeah, it was on a per system. game basis, yeah. Yeah, so with the Xbox, you were, once you were plugged in Xbox Live, you were on it and people could see what game you were playing and you had a profile, like mm-hmm. that was new. And it was thanks to the hard drive and it was thanks to Microsoft's networking know-how. Uh, really, though, Microsoft lost a ton of money on the first Xbox. Really? They just dumped millions of dollars into the R&D, and they were like, we don't care, we're Microsoft, look at our war chest. <laughs> so they were basically like, we're going to shove into this market, and we don't care how much money we lose. And they lost a ton. Like, um, they still came, they did not, compared to the PS2, they did horribly. Really? Horribly. Well, you bring up an interesting point. So Microsoft showed up, not during the uh, N64 PlayStation days, but next generation of consoles, which was Nintendo GameCube, yep. the Sony PS2, and by the way, both of those, pretty much the same as before, just better. You know, they, they were still going after the exact same kind of markets. You still got your JRPGs over on Sony, and you got your Magic over on yeah. Nintendo, although not as much. Yeah. Uh, let's let's <laughs> be honest. And there were a couple of JRPGs on GameCube, because by then it switched to, I think it was called a GD-ROM. It was, a, it was like, it was a mini-disc. That held oh, right. not 700 megabits, but a whole good amount of data. Yeah, one one Luigi's Mansion it held. <laughs> well, because like, I remember in particular playing Mega Man X Command Mission, which was a JRPG-style mm-hmm. Mega Man X game. And I believe it came on two discs. And there's also Baton Kaitos, which came on three or three discs. I rented it from Gamefly, got the first two discs and not the third disc. So I never could play it. <laughs> <You> never <laughs> so you played the first two discs, though? Well, no, I started playing it, and I found out it was three discs. And I'm like, well, I don't have the third one. It's pointless, so I just sent it back. But, yeah, they had a, a, a little ways, a little bit of an, of recovery at that point. But Namco made Beta Kaitos, I believe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't Square Enix, who was the holy grail of JRPG makers at the time. But and sorry for digressing. I don't even know if they were Square Enix at that point. Like, I oh, think they, they, they were still Square. Square. Yeah. Square Soft. Off, yeah. Do either of you know any Enix games? Uh, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest, it's okay. That was, that was right? their main it's one. Dragon I had Quest. no idea that was them. Yeah, that, that was their claim to fame. Now it makes sense why they wouldn't. This past oh, weekend, yeah, yeah. we had huge lines in Japan for the new, uh, every Dragon time Quest. there's a new Dragon Quest, yeah. they have lines out the door. They actually declare it a holiday uh, in Japan. You they, okay. Because they know no one's going to go to school. So they're like, all right. So uh, they, they actually started launching only on days I believe already there school. was actually like a public a statute made that they could only launch on days that school was not on. Oh my god! Yeah, so Dragon Quest is a huge deal in Japan. Then things started to happen in this war. Now you were having to choose your friends based on what systems they had because of now we were getting into the world of online play. Yes. Yeah, you couldn't play with your Xbox if your friends didn't have one. Yeah. Right. You know. And I remember that. I believe that's when games like Call of Duty started going online. Yes. Which was a big deal because it, you, you had to decide, okay, there's five people in my friend group. If four of us get PS2, you're getting PS2. Yeah. If you want to play with us or else you can play with strangers. And that's when the wars started kind of getting brutal, I would say, out there. Like, there were definite flags that you had. And if you were GameCube, you were kind of a loser. <laughs> yeah. You didn't play online, that's for sure. That's right. A loser like me, or a loser like Chris. Or a loser like me. Oh, you also had a GameCube. Of course. GameCube was a great system. I loved Super Mario Sunshine. It had a handle, so you could carry it with you. (laughs) And I did. I actually used that handle. Uh, I would take it everywhere. Like, Steve and I, like, in college, we would all just... Lug it all around. Lug it all around. We we would uh, take over the lounges at 
various colleges we would go to. With big screen TV, and just plug right in, plug play in, Smash. Play Melee, yeah, just play Melee all day. It oh, we have to talk about that. So, in these battles, there were always these great games. Super Smash Brothers Melee was the GameCube game. The reason to buy the GameCube was right there. Yeah. It, that, I, I remember falling in love with fighting games again with that and finding community again with people who would want to like sit next to you and play. Cause it was a while there and maybe it's just like growing up and being in different stages of life. But there's a while there where like, you're not going to someone's house to play video games anymore. But then when Melee hit, it was like four people playing at once. Are you kidding? In a fighting game in this <laughs> yeah. amazing, amazing thing. I just remember that being a, being a big highlight and being, uh, kind of gets us to our next point. The, the, I think the wars were fun to live through, but now I look back and I was like, why are we being so stupid? You just should have had all of them. There's great games across the entire board. Or at least, you know, share with others. Cause like, yeah. you certainly don't have the resources as a kid, at least back then. Mm -mm. Like you didn't, we actually would share systems yeah. sometimes. Like, like I would like borrow my system you can play this great game. Actually, that was the first Sega system in my house, I remember. My friend Al lent me the Saturn so I could play Panzer Dragoon Saga. Which was an amazing it. game. It was, it was probably my favorite game of that generation. It was really good. No one's played it because they made like six copies. And, then and no they, one had a Saturn. Yeah, no one had a Saturn. And they can't remake it because they lost the source code. Yeah. So there's no ports or remakes coming, unfortunately. Oh my God. But it's a tragedy, but it was amazing. But yeah, but yeah, you missed out on it unless you had good friends and you weren't stubborn about it. And I know I really was stubborn about it because for me, it was a big deal. Like, Sega was evil. Like, they were wrong, and I didn't want that in my house. Like, it was a big deal when my sister, she was like, Dreamcast is 50 bucks. It was the end of days for Dreamcast. 50 bucks new at a store. She was like, I'm gonna get one. I was like, I guess we can do that. I guess. Like, letting that into the house the to live there? It was like, yeah, it was like letting the enemy into it's your house. so weird that I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> like, to me, it was, to me, like, that war was over when Nintendo Power, they had a cover with Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> on it. And I still, that's one of my most prized possessions that no one else will ever care about, but it's Nintendo Power, Sonic the Hedgehog on the cover. I was like, this it was for is Sonic mind Adventure 2. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, Sonic Adventure 2 Battle on Dreamcast. Too. That's right. I mean, on GameCube. On GameCube. How dare you. <laughs> you yeah, so Battle was the GameCube version. Yeah. Sonic Adventure 2 was on Dreamcast. That, that was a monstrous moment in time. Um, but then. Then, uh, we're giving you a little history lesson, but <laughs> then Nintendo pulled the biggest left turn they could have possibly done and creates the Wii. Yes. And decides not to upgrade graphics. And Sony and Microsoft were like, uh, what? And bam, they were two totally different types of things. And I think for me, that's what killed the war, was now that you could not play the highest end graphics, the latest games, the latest sports games, you could not do it on Nintendo anymore. You had to adopt one of the other guys. And honestly, I think it's remained that way since. It's like Nintendo decided to blaze a path over here and leave the war. Yeah. Whereas the other guys are still duking it out and creating great things. But now there's this other magical little thing over here. Well, they were fighting it and they were losing. The thing was like Nintendo, Every successive console after the NES sold less and less and less. The Super Nintendo sold less than the NES, N64 much less, GameCube even less than that. And GameCube was their attempt to go for the power again. Yeah. They're like, we're gonna make a really powerful console, we're gonna use optical media, it's gonna have everything people want, people can buy it. They lost that one. By a lot. 
So then they're like, well, what can we do now? Like, we still think this chipset's really cool. It's really fast. It's a little long in the tooth now, but we have to do something totally different. Enter the Wii. Certainly no one else was doing anything like that. And it worked. It then did. the Wii outsells the NES. And everyone and the grandmother literally, literally bought a Wii. Yes. Because it was something that you could share with the entire family or something that's readily accessible more so than the button combinations or the button configurations we were used to and had grown muscle memory for, like, you know, most gamers buy that. Dual point. analog is really hard if you don't play games. Yeah. And just the fact of you have to sometimes move the analog stick and press a button at the same time is a lot for people to wrap their head around. Yeah. And so then the Wii comes out with the Wii, um, with the Wiimote and the waggle controls and motion controls, and it was a revelation for just about everyone. Even people who could not traditionally play games, like people who had um, motor control issues or... You know things like that, or some you know, people who are disabled could use the Wii because you could still point, yeah, and you could still play the game if you could point, and it was. So yeah, it was a, a market, open, it, yeah, open horizons for. There's a, a total divergence because it's these totally new types of games coming out. There's still the classic like you know power games coming out for your your joysticks and your buttons, but uh, that's on the PS3, that's on the Xbox 360. And kind of at that point, those two became the competitors, and Nintendo was all on its own little left field. Yeah. It, Nintendo shot the moon, and they were content to live on the moon by yeah. themselves, while Sony and um, Microsoft um, fought over the remains of the Earth. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was a very, very interesting thing, because I didn't know a gamer who did not have the Wii. It was there. It was sitting there. Maybe it was your sisters. Maybe it was your little brothers. But it was in your house. Yeah. And that was new, yeah. because we had left the world of one console to rule them all. And now a lot of people had at least two. I think it's still like that. And I think uh, I think with the Wii U, a lot of that dropped off. Yeah. But now that we're back to Switch, I'm seeing that again, that the Switch is sitting on top of either an Xbox One or a PS4. Yep. Yeah, certainly. If you want to play like the third-party games, you go with one of the others. But the thing is, the distinctions between those two, Microsoft and Sony, I think it's gone less and less. And this generation yeah. is the least of all. Like, there are very few games that you can't get on both. Yeah. And there are very few games that, even if, if they are on both, you can't tell the difference. Exactly. What's a game right now that only exists on one of the big three? Well, besides anything that's like by a first-party um, developer, things. like things by Rare or things by um, yeah, things by Rare and stuff like that. I mean, Halo, obviously, yeah. the new Halo. You only go to find on Xbox. Um, and but. you talk about things like Uncharted for Sony. Okay. Yeah. Because um, those are not first-party; they're like kind of second-party developers because they. Work very closely with those console developers, um, Naughty Dog with Sony and Bungie, um, Bungie and Rare with Rare with uh, with with Microsoft. But Microsoft yeah. also who's, who's, who's Rare, Rare's Rare's making Halo now. Oh, Halo, Halo now. Uh, well, God, I forget what company. It's not Bungie. Uh, it's not Bungie anymore. That's yeah. That's sorry. Um, I grew up during the original Xbox console Bungie. wars, so it it's Halo is Bungie. But yeah, which is also funny. Bungie was originally a Mac developer. Yeah. Uh, fascinating stuff because they they used to make uh, it was. Marathon. Marathon was a Mac game. It was a first-person shooter. That was the predecessor to Halo, and then Microsoft bought the Mac developer. Huh. Yeah. I remember Marathon. Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. so they've got that. But there's not a lot, really. Like, if there's Un God of War, Uncharted, that's about it. Even Crash Bandicoot, like, we were, that was the big mascot for Sony. Sony. The new re-releases cross-platform. It's on everything. <laughs> we live in an amazing time. I mean... Really, I, th I think the wars are over. Sony would disagree. Microsoft would disagree. <laughs> well, I think 
They're over if you are but above. In the hearts of if you're 20 or older. <laughs> yeah. I think it's still different. Like if you're a kid. Yeah, you, you still are limited one. to one. Yeah. Like if you go on the message boards, they're still fighting. Good. <laughs> you go, go to IGN.com. It's still there. It's still got millions of viewers. It's still <laughs> people on the forums fighting about the consoles. Amazingly enough. That makes me I think very lot, happy. We just grew out of it for a lot of it. Yeah. What, what's that? We grew out of it. Terry, Terry, Terry's longing for those days. I started out in school. Yeah, yard. you know, I still wake up with a cold sweat in the middle of the night being like, Sony! <laughs> you took from me what I... Loved, because there's no way Square wanted to leave. There's no way Capcom wanted to leave. <laughs> they, they were kidnapped they in the dark of the night. They never came back. No, I, you know, it was funny about Sony, too, though. Like, I feel like the, the PlayStation 3 was their hubris. Like, it's mm. there's these amazing rises and falls. So, like, Sega had the hubris with the Genesis, and then they fell, like, markedly in the N60, uh, the 32-bits era. Sony, the PlayStation 1 was big. The PlayStation 2 was, was massive. Even Huge. Tremendous. One of the, perhaps, I think it's the best-selling console of all time. Bar so, yeah. none. Still. Yeah, yeah, it had Kingdom Hearts on it. And then Not PlayStation right. 3 came out. They're like, we are on this high horse. Nothing can defeat us. It costs $600. <laughs> yeah. We don't care. It. It's coming out. And then they lost that generation. And like up until the last two years, You're by right. a lot. Yeah. Like by the end, like they get game parity with the 360. But at first it was like, nobody had a PS3. It was expensive. The ports were worse. Uh, it, it was just bad. So like they fell and, and ate crow for that whole mm-hmm. generation. You know, it's funny to look at that it kind of went Nintendo, Sega, Super Nintendo, PlayStation. Well, PlayStation and N64 were still kind of in there. I guess it's more interesting that it was like N64 and PlayStation were neck and neck. PS2 clearly won. PS2 was yeah. huge. And then the 360 won. Yeah. So they're all well, winning technically at the different Wii. times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, we yeah, actually yeah, yeah. won. <laughs> Technically the Wii, but the 360 was... But they won in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Sony was fighting a battle on two fronts and lost both. Yeah. At at the end of that generation, they pulled it around. And, uh, you know, a lot of people liked it a lot better by the end of that. But but then people were still thinking about the next systems. Yeah. Now the PS4 is far and away killing everything. It is. It is. It is. PS4 is undisputed winner? Undisputed winner right now. By a pretty wide margin. How's the Switch doing? Switch is doing great. It's, like, going, yeah, they, it's early days. It just came out four months ago. Mm-hmm. So like, but it is selling, you know, if you align the launches, it's selling better than the PS4. Yeah, I think it's, it's like, like right there. they just announced six million shipped or something. And most of the Switches that are shipped to stores are bought from stores immediately because it's still, people still have trouble finding them. So I'm pretty it, sure if they shipped six million, they sold six million. There are articles now in Japan. In Japan, it's really hard to get one. People are lining up for hours and what they do there is uh, they have a lottery system where they give everyone a lottery ticket. It's like lumbered from one to 500. Mm-hmm. And then they call out the number of who gets to buy that system. So they'll have a giant ball. They'll be like, oh, number 67, you get to buy one. Wow. And uh, this is happening every time they get a disbursement. So every week they have these giant lines. Um, apparently it's horrible. So, so, so it's, like, it's like trying to get Hamilton tickets. Yes. Day of, yeah. Exactly. You know, they're, they're doing a lot of things right. Nintendo's doing a lot of things right, including releasing these retro things. That NES oh, the Mini oh, and the yeah. SNES, like, what? Whose idea was that? You think Sony will ever do that? Oh, that would be interesting. I don't know if Sony will do it quite like that because they, hey, basically they port everything. Like, you can play all this, the PlayStation 1 classics. On the PS3, you could. I, the PS4 just Well, what now, now they're doing is they're doing the PS, um, PS Now, oh, which right. is a streaming service. When they bought, um, on live. Gaikai? Or oh, well, Gaikai. One, one, one of the one streaming of services a couple years ago. So they, they're doing that now. And they're expanding the 
the library finally, but it's still paltry compared to the massive library of the PS2 and PS3. Like, there's so many PS2 games, because I never owned a PS2, I never got to play. Me neither. And I really, really want to play them, and I can't wait till... If PS4 had them on streaming, I would pay their five or seven bucks a month, whatever. Mm-hmm. But they either can't or won't port it, and they can't or won't remaster it, so I'm kind of like... <laughs> so Forget last, you, Sony. The last thing I want to talk about is, what was your... During the wars, what was the console that you felt the strongest about, that you were on their side? And also... What was the console that had the game that almost got you or did get you to jump? Mm. And if you need a minute, I'll go first. So the, my all-time favorite system, ride or die, is the Super Nintendo. You know, I will always support that system. It would just had everything I was looking for at the time. And you know why? It's because it's the only place to really, for a lot of these people, to make a lot of these games. The only other dog in the fight was Sega, but it was... Just not, it didn't have the same products. It didn't have the same library on there. It didn't have JRPGs. It didn't have sports games. It didn't have, I mean, it had some sports games, but they were markedly different, yeah. you know? And they didn't have the big gun, which is the Nintendo produced content. But it was just like the magic of all of these uh, titans of gaming right now were making a lot of their first classic games on that Super Nintendo. So you got a taste of everything, you know, from Capcom to. Uh, help me out. Capcom, Acclaim. One of Blizzard's Konami. first games was Konami. on Super Nintendo. Yeah, the Lost Vikings? Yeah. Lost Vikings. Yeah, Blizzard. Like, all these guys were getting their feet wet on that console, and there was just so much magic going on at that time. And you had everything. You had everything. And Sega didn't have everything. I don't think Sega had a lot of the same types of titles on their system. But, so I was Nintendo for a long time, but... The one game that really got me was PS2 to the point where I was borrowing PS2s and (laughs) owned a copy of the game. I had just Nintendo consoles, one PS2 game, Kingdom Hearts 2. (laughs) And I would find people's PS2s when they weren't using them. The girls that lived downstairs in college, I would take theirs for a little while and just burn through it. And I would do that multiple times. That... The game was magic. That was my first interaction with a Square game, again, another Square crossover mm-hmm. game, where I felt that same magic that I did back on Super Mario RPG. So, of the war, that was the one that finally got me to say, quit the war, play the games that are good. <laughs> what about you guys? Yeah, so like when I was younger, um, I started with the, um, like I said, the Nintendo 5400. I got a Nintendo- I'm Atari. I mean, Atari, yeah, thank you. I got the Nintendo um, Entertainment System. And then my brother bought a Genesis with money he made himself. And then he moved out shortly after he got it, so he took the Genesis with him. I was heartbroken, but I was also jonesing for that fix because I had played Sonic the Hedgehog. And then he took Sonic the Hedgehog from me. And I was like, well, I need to find this. <laughs> I literally borrowed, I, would, I make friends with people on my block only so I can play their Genesis. Not only, we became better friends later, but it started with, oh, you have a Genesis. Come to my house and we can play my copy of Sonic I have here that I don't have a system to play it on. And I would go to Funko Lane and buy Genesis games. So when for they not for someone yeah, else's system, for myself, so they would come console. over. Now, mind you, these were used games, so they were like ninety-nine cents sometimes. And I'm like, I want to really play Sonic Spinball. So when my friends finish playing whatever games he's playing, he's gonna let me borrow his Genesis. I play Sonic Spinball for two weeks at a time, and it was heaven. Also played a lot of Super Nintendo. Um, notably, Chris loaned me his Super Nintendo with Chrono Trigger, 
at one point. It was a little later after it came out. It was like 90, 99 or something like that. But the, you gifted him. What? Well, not, not gifted. No, I mean, I mean borrow. But you just said this is an amazing game and handed one yes. of the greatest games of all time and said you need to play this. Yes, it's the most beautiful friendship story <laughs> I've ever heard. Yeah, we, we we ended up doing that a lot because at this point we were like going to the arcades together and yeah. like I mean we were just we talk about games all the time. We traded gaming magazines. I got Nintendo Power. I got Electronic Gaming Monthly. And we oh. trade them like oh I'm done reading this and we we read each other's all the time. So it was a lot of we got to experience a lot more because of trading. Yeah, and um and so because of that um that stu- that history I have with um consoles, I never really I was a mercenary in the console wars yeah. of the nineties. <laughs> So I, I, I'm very much a soldier of opportunity. Whatever system I had at the time is the system I backed. Now, I didn't have any Super Nintendo games without a system, but they were, I read about them in his Nintendo Power all the time. And I fantasized about playing these games, starting with Super Mario World. So then the first time I got to sit down and play through Super Mario World, it was like I had, it was like an old friend I was revisiting. And it was because of my older friends, um, my oldest friend's um, generosity, I was able to experience it. But then as we, so then a game that wanted me to switch to the other side, I was always kind of console agnostic because of not really owning one since the NES until Panzer Dragoon Saga came out on Sega Saturn, which is I wanted and needed a Saturn, which you could not find because they sold horribly and most of them were sent back to Sega. Did you have 